Listeners be advised. The Holiloquy podcast discuss matters related to the human experience and many that are sexual in nature. Due to this, some conversations may surround triggering topics such as sexual violence, self-harm, abuse, and much more. Please be advised, a list of crisis and psychological resources will be available in the show notes of this episode. With that said, let's get started with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please as we go through the following safety instructions. In the event that there is a loss of cabin pressure, oxygen mask will drop from the overhead. Place the mask over your nose and mouth. Breathe normally as oxygen is flowing even if the mask is not Be sure to adjust your own mask before helping others. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Holy Loki Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. This is your favorite host, Vernon T. Scott, also known as Slater Jackson, and for you freaky motherfuckers out there, Sebastian Adams. On today's episode, we have Sharita again, and we are talking about race issues and dating. Sharita, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So before we even go deep into the episode, uh, I, what 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 do I want to ask? I had something. I had something. Um, it was related to race. <laughs> And dating, maybe? <laughs> exactly. So, you know, you can read my mind. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Whatever. If it comes back, it'll come back. Now, I do know that one of the things that we uh, did talk about within our uh, intake meeting for this episode was, like, um, mostly dating, like, African-American people. Uh, and I know you've, you've experienced um, dating people outside of the African-American community, correct? Yeah, but it's been few. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the people I've ever dated were African American. Uh, same here. Uh, I haven't really, like, I've attempted to explore uh, in terms of hookups. I've experienced um, sex with, like, um, Hispanic men, uh, a lot of African-American men, uh, uh, a lot of, I, I will say a good bit of African and Jamaican men, uh, one Haitian, oh, two Haitians. Um, those were kind of recent. Uh, Might have been some others in the past. They just didn't identify or uh, the Haitian wasn't at the forefront of their identity um what else uh a few white dudes um haven't really engaged with anyone that was asian unfortunately it's not that i don't have an attraction because i've definitely tried but it was more of a no it was a rejection so mm, sad but still open to it uh how about yourself what what did what does your um history your demographics look like um black men when black women and black trans men um i've like made out a couple times with white men um and oh and like um a couple asians not many like i think one guy was laos and the other guy was filipino Mm. Uh, or filipino and black maybe you know one of my goals 
um shout out to whoever my future partner is and they hear this uh, is to be an international hoe i know some people might want to be an international spot i have other goals and aspirations so um not to say that i want to hook up with somebody on every single continent but i do want to hook up with somebody on multiple different continents i will just say that um and i i feel like because it's more than just like, I, I want to engage in the cultures, of course, and get to know different um, societies and how people live their lives, their experiences and whatnot. But I, I also want to have sex while in the process of doing that. And I feel like if I go to another, uh, another continent or even another country for like, you know, a trip or whatever, I, if somebody's like, oh yeah, I'm from America, I'm just gonna like block. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Would that be fair to do that? <laughs> I don't think that's fair because, like, they might be from America, but they may have friends that are not. Like, if depending on how long they've been there. Oh, true, true, true. I don't know, because I'm not trying to do a destination hookup. <laughs> yeah, like I don't want to go to like Tokyo and just and hook up with another American person. It's like, no, I'm here. Let me experience the culture. Right, and it's like, am I going to see you when I come get back? If not, mm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Maybe if I come across that scenario in real time, I might feel something differently. But I don't know. In this moment, I'm just like, hmm. I'll pass. Or <laughs> maybe if we're back in the States at the same time. Do you live here now? Like, what's up? What's going on? Um, and, and I would think it's like one of those hit and quit kind of situations. Just, I just want to be engulfed in the, in, in, like, in the atmosphere of different culture, uh, rather than having to focus so much on, like, American, 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 American. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. Because I think, um, when I went to Jamaica, like, it's really closed off. Like, there are the resorts in this area, but, like, you didn't really get to explore Jamaica for all it is unless you were, you made friends and relationships with people who actually lived in the area. And then you were invited to, like, going to the clubs or invited to, like, all of these different things that were actually a part of that culture and not just, for lack of a better word, whitewashed for hmm. um you know tourists i get that like um hold up sorry uh like uh whenever like when, even here i i've experienced some of that like whenever i go traveling places and uh, like when i went to new orleans for the first time um of course, where we were, we were on the French Quarter, and that was amazing. I loved that. It was a wonderful experience. But the thing that made that trip there even better was that I have a friend uh, who she's from New Orleans. Uh, you know, Brittany, um, mm -hmm. uh, the Zeta, Brittany. Yeah. Um, she she um, showed me around where she usually go, the spots that she usually um, goes to to have fun. So it was more like I had a chance to like engage in the New Orleans culture the same way that those people who are native to the city experience their culture rather than the market, uh, the marketplace or the places where all the tourists goes and that made a lasting impression of New Orleans versus being on the French Quarter. Like, yeah, it's very beautiful. It's a nice place. It's fun to be there. It's a lot of people, but being on um, the other streets, the other um, uh, 
parts of the city made me appreciate New Orleans a lot more. Uh, and I, even when people visit um, visit here in Augusta, it's like most people just go to where the Masters is and they stay local to that area, but don't really get to see the richness of Augusta. Uh, some people don't even uh, look at the Riverwalk when they come here. And I'm like, that's one of the most beautiful places here. Yeah. Um, granted, if you travel too much within the city, you find out when the oppression starts. And <laughs> the, uh, yeah, you find out a lot of uh, stuff in terms of funding, but that's different. I, conversation. I think it's the same way with Atlanta though, right? Mm -hmm. Like you go to Atlanta, you get like kind of the like glamorized like Buckhead or even like Pontity Market, which is really cool. But like the awesome part, like even with my job, right? I, all of the locations I work in right now are directly in the hood. Like in the bluff, like I work uh, like one of the locations is gonna be like NLK. Like these are like the this is the part. This is the heart of Atlanta, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a different type of connection, a different type of culture that you're gonna see in those areas versus this kind of like super like oh no things are really nice. There's no shooting. Mm -hmm. This is Pond City Market. Da, da 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 da. We have all these resources. Like no, there's a lot of this disparities in Atlanta where they don't have those resources and and I think that's with anywhere that you travel to so you really mm -hmm. I think it's important to get to know the people who are actually from there mm -hmm. and there's a richness there too um most definitely like places near the hood I know you uh, some people okay look you can't just be going into every every hood and think you're gonna be safe mm -mm. but some hoods have a lot of culture there's a lot of uh, personal lived experiences there that you get to learn just by having conversations with people. Like uh, whenever you visit someplace, most I know it's very prominent up north, but you can see it some places here in the south too, where you might see some shoes hanging over um, like some power lines. And some people don't even know the history of that is because when uh, a lot of black people were dying back in the day, can't afford to put a uh, do a tombstone for somebody so they threw up the shoes uh and when you know gentrification happens and people are taking down these shoes and they're not realizing that these are an homage to these people who've lost their lives uh this is a representation of people who fought for the community who've died for the community those who might have been a participation a gang or whatever but these are um uh, mementos of people who've lived in this area and it's something that should be respected it's something that should be made aware of for those people who do visit um, those people who do go into a community like when you go to like a restaurant that a lot of people be going to and you're just like why is this so popular like this doesn't look like it's serving good food but you go in and you take a bite and you're just like oh my god <laughs> Like, this is some amazing ass shit. Like, where where am I? Did I just slip into fucking Narnia? Because this is gold. Like, what is this? But, like, you don't get that when you just stay in the mo mostly trafficked areas. You just get the glossed over experience of, okay, this is this is how we live here. But it's not it's not the reality of the people that live there. 100%. I have no idea how we got into that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, because you wanted to be an international hoe and like the importance of culture that comes with it. It's not just about the dick, but you know, about the culture. Yes, about the culture, about the culture. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so uh, going back into the main topic of this episode, race issues and dating. And I know one of those issues that many people do have to um, come across most definitely. When the, well, this happens even if it is uh, within, you know, the same community, but it's the uh, stereotypes that people uh, come across. But I think m when it comes to interracial dating, that's one of those things that is that has to be addressed early on uh, to understand who each other are. Like I know one of the things that keeps me from dating someone who's white is um, what I have to understand what their uh, knowledge of black people is. Uh, and also how do they view me as a sexual being? Uh, and are they willing to respect and see my full humanity? Cause if not, we're, we cannot rock together. Uh, so what, what, what is your uh, sentiment as it relates to stereotypes and interracial, interracial dating? Um, so for me, I agree. Like I would want to kind of process why they're attracted to me. Um, as we know with any culture, right? But especially with black culture, there's this huge fetishization that comes with it. And so is it just because you think that I have really good sex because I'm black or is it just because of this? Like, why are you attracted to me? Um, and then I would also, when it comes to other cultures, being aware of like their family dynamic as far as how they view African-American culture. Because um, as much as I would really like that person and I think that they're open-minded, I wouldn't want to be in a relationship with someone whose parents, sisters, great grandparents hate black people like that just would not be comfortable for me mm -hmm. um some people are willing to go against the odds and do that and that's great and I'm happy for them and some of those relationships end up really great and prosperous but for me as a person I don't want to walk into a family reunion and I'm looking at and everyone's just staring at me mm. um because I'm black and I'm bold about it. I have locks. Like I'm not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I have mannerisms that go with my culture. You know, I have AAVE. I speak in a very specific tongue. So, um, and I'm not going to water that down just to be a part of a relationship with someone. And I'm with you 100% on that. Like, uh, I was going to say I'm some people um, <laughs> in terms of like the dating someone who has like the racist parents and whatnot. And I, I have a rule on that. I will, I will date someone who's like white or whatever, and they have a racist grandparent solely because I'm just like their grandparent is on their way out anyway so mm -hmm. i don't have to give a damn about them and they don't have to meet my children so fuck your fuck your grandparents and i said it and but if the parents are racist then we just cannot and the siblings are racist i cannot but you did bring up a perspective that i did not even think about and that's the family reunion and mm, <laughs> the majority of the family is racist i cannot like you're expecting me to deal with these people on an ongoing basis. And if my presence make them uncomfortable, then I'm going to be uncomfortable and still be authentically Black regardless. Uh, it's just that, mm, I don't know how long I can be in this space, essentially. Um, and if I have to be met with those, that gaze on a regular basis or... Um, you know, that that sense of paternalism that a lot of uh, white people have in terms of like black people cannot be self-sufficient kind of thing, then that makes me not want to be 
in that space even more. So um, I, I do see, regardless as how much I might love them, that their family will be the thing that really do keep, really does keep me away from experiencing the full extent of their love. The Holiloquy podcast focuses on the variability of sexual expression. When it comes to sexual expression, we often depend on pornography to illustrate how one must perform sexually. For those who have not learned this by now, the stuff you see in porn is not real. Pornography provides a singular perspective of sexual expression that is not often the reality we see during our own sexual encounters. The Holiloquy Podcast is a conversation that takes you outside of the compressed box of what many know about sex. Some of the topics we discuss include kinks, condom usage, status disclosure, and past sexual experiences. The Holiloquy Podcast steps out on sexual norms and recognizes that the norm is not the only normal. Subscribe today and join the conversation. Will be the thing that really do keep, really does keep me away from experiencing the full extent of their love. No, I agree. Um, and then kind of piggybacking off of what you said, so I think we have to be mindful of of the spectrum of racism right so like yeah maybe your grandparents were like they were very racist they were like openly racist but I can't act like just because they were openly racist but your parents are like tolerating that that's okay too right because I also don't want to be in a situation where I have to deal with these microaggressions because they don't realize that they're still a little bit racist and they're a little bit biased and they still kind of discriminate but they they kind of like black people right like I don't want to be in that situation either yeah that reminds me of the the funny thing and I love get out because they made a reference to it but I voted for Obama twice <laughs> for both terms mm-hmm. like just because you did that does not mean that 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 is a racism free card like let's be real Obama was he, yes he was black but he still upheld a lot of white supremacist stuff so mm, let's be real about that but um just because you voted for him does not relieve any feelings of guilt or any responsibility towards what racism is and still is today like doing a kind gesture for black people does not mean you're not racist. Having a black friend does mm-hmm. not mean that you're not racist. <laughs> like regardless of what you have in your uh, inner circle, does not alleviate the racist ideology that you may have. Like uh, even going back to that uh, thing with uh, paternalism, if you do not see that black people can be self-sufficient or handle their own things by themselves, that in turn that itself makes you somewhat not fully racist not saying that you're out here um wanting to lynch black people or anything that's not it it's just saying that you do have some racist ideology or at least some kind of connection to white supremacist ideology that you individually have to work on and of course when you unpack those things and work towards that and make sure that you provide a safe space for other people, uh, especially people of color, then that is better. That makes things so much, so much more fulfilling for yourself and your relationship. Mm-hmm. And like also 
if you're not able to identify that you have some sort of white privilege or privilege that comes with your skin color, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think that plays a part in it too, right? Like being able to own, like, yes, there comes with a little bit of guilt that comes with that, but being able to own like, hey, look, you didn't get a lot of the same type of opportunities that I got just because of my skin color, right? Um, this is completely off topic, but it's um, related to race and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. How do you feel about just the idea of the terms of people of color? Um, are you for it or against it? Uh, like, because for me, it's always white people, then people of color. So how, what's, what's your sentiment on that? Um, I don't know. I'm torn. It's kind of kind of how I feel about like the new rainbow flag out there. Like I, I mean, personally, like I don't like the, the separation of it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like, yes, as black people, we should have our own rights, too. And I feel like sometimes when you group us as just people of color, it's just like, OK, those are the minorities They're Those are their rights. And that's or their their things that they're fighting for. And that's it. And kind of glosses over like specific things for African-Americans. Mm. Um, and like to piggyback that where like the rainbow flag, right? Like I feel like, well, if it's a rainbow flag, there shouldn't be a difference between colors, black, white. Like this is for everyone who is LGBTQIA plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and like everyone has different views on it. That's just like, I don't, it didn't make sense to add the different colors to me because it should be understood that this is for black people, white people, everybody of color who is LGBTQIA+. I'm with you there. Like for me, when, whenever I just hear um, pe- uh, people of color, I immediately think of otherism because mm-hmm. it's just making, um, you know, black people, Asian people, whatever spectrum you fall on in terms of your skin uh, tone other than white the other group. And it's like when uh, I, I get it in terms of talking points to discuss uh, and separate issues in terms of white and then everybody else on the spectrum, but at the same time, it's still in the uh, in the framework of everybody else rather than mm-hmm. just stressing that all people deserve these rights regardless of what their race are, uh, uh, race, race is. But like uh, we, when it comes to policy, uh, we definitely do need to make sure that we don't have those windows um, to, um, what is it, to those windows that just strip the uh, equity within the policies that we're passing, that we do make sure that we are use, utilizing uh, inclusive language to ensure that everybody is going to be uplifted in whatever policies that we pass, that everyone is covered. And even if we are trying to do targeted policies to um, bridge those gaps, that we address the uh, the community explicitly and not just use some broad ass term that really doesn't fit everybody. And even mm-hmm. uh, with that narrative or that differentiation of whiteness and then people of color, uh, it also promotes the idea that, again, the people of color are seen as the minority while white is the majority. And we use those terms on a global scale when it's just like, globally, it will be reversed. It will just be like everybody of different skin tones is like the ma- the majority of the country uh the globe and then even white in the people- u.s the white people are the minority now 
exactly so it's like we have to have these conversations uh in with inclusive language as well as with equity at the forefront and how we detail things and just continue to move forward that way because to me it's just a constant other uh uh otherization of um, Black, Indigenous people, Asian people, uh, are the immigrants who've moved here, as well as um, the uh, South Asian community that lives in the U.S., the uh, Arabs who live here, those who are uh, the Jewish people, the people who are uh, from Israel, everyone is considered the people of color other than those that are Western, European, white. Mm-hmm. Like that's the only solidified identity that you have, and other than that, other or people of color, and it just doesn't ever sit right with me. Oh yeah, no, I agree. I think that it's going to continue to be like that until we can get more people of color into these, like Senate and things of that nature, to actually combat that. Mm-hmm. That's um, good. A lot of our legislators, it's based off of white males who are in Senate or who are in these um, higher up positions that create this. And a lot of them are old white males. (laughs) Um, And not to wish death on anybody, but all I'm saying is I I always, I know they say evil doesn't die, but why does evil have to live to be like 80 something? Like, can evil just, can they retire at 60? Can, 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 can the evil ones just retire at 60? Not to say the good ones, <laughs> it's like 84 and up. We like y'all. Y'all like people. Y'all like y'all like freedom. Y'all like, you know, people to live their own lives. Continue to do you. You're, you're good. You're good. The evil, retire at 64. You, you got all that you need. You got all that you need in life. Retire. I think that's a flaw in the system altogether. Why is it that these people who are in the Senate in their 70, 75, 80 years old in the first place. Like most people retire at 65, right? And Mm. like, how do we ever enact change when everyone is in their 70s, 80s or whatever? Um, We're gonna always gonna go with this antiquated way of thinking because Mm. those are the people that are there still. Like, why why is there not a cap on that? That doesn't make sense to me. And I will say, because I've been called this before, um, that that view is ageist, uh, apparently. And for me, I don't think it, of it as being ageist. It's just more of, I believe that those people who are over 65 shouldn't be working. They should be taken care of. They should have the right to be at home comfortable. If they choose to work, they can work. But in terms, most definitely, if they decide to be in politics um, and be in like the Senate, if their ideology and their beliefs are not aligned with those people who are go- who are living today and will be living further and a lot longer after they passed, then they probably shouldn't be in the office uh, because what are they upholding? Because they're not with the, the current group of people. And this not to say that old people do not have a voice because they definitely do. And their mm-hmm. voices should be respected. And that's where the wisdom is. That's where the guidance is. So rather if, you know, the thought is to be in politics, 
be in politics to discuss what is really impacting the elder community to ensure that they are being treated fairly. Uh, be a lobbyist for the el elderly people to ensure that uh, we have that. Because if we look at what's going on right now, well, when this airs, who knows what's going on? Um, this We're recording in November uh, <laughs> of 2022. So, um, whatever happens uh, in the future we don't know if um, the elderly will still have social security because mm -hmm. that's on the chopping block right now uh, and and that's on the chopping block and the majority of the senate is in that age range to receive social security so it's like there's a problem here right and i but i think i think that's important i think yeah i agree with what you're saying i i also feel like adding to that is like you have to be adaptable right like I think mm -hmm. about even my job right the person who the CEO over my job she was a lot older she's no longer here anymore but um she was a lot older she had like these very specific views and she wasn't adaptable mm. and as more like millennials started moving you know started being applying for the positions there and a lot of generation z people started applying for the position there we had to make it adaptable to be the employer of choice mm. and so i think when you are in like senate or somewhere where like you're making a decent amount of money regularly and you are safe and you're comfortable worrying about whether or not other people are going to get social security it's just not something that's going to be on your mind right you're only you're most people are going to be worried about what affects them mm. and what affects the other people who are around them most of the time if you're in that kind of upper echelon-esque you're not even talking to people who are being affected by social security. And uh, who would have thought, well, I knew that this, you know, because uh, I was going to say, who would have thought that this podcast would be talking about politics? But in a way, since this is a sex podcast, sex is a political issue. It really is. Like to, to express yourself freely sexually is uh, against the law in many places. So it's like, mm, it's part of the conversation uh, to, to, disregard sex within our political spectrum is to disregard the uh, basic human rights. Um, so just for anybody who's like, why are we talking about that? Yeah, we just uh, go like a long tangent. <laughs> and I think about it, I'm like, they're going to be like, what does this have to do with your race and, this <laughs> and sex and dating? <laughs> it, like, all connects. it all connects. Because look, <laughs> at one point, you couldn't marry uh, somebody of a different race. So look, making it all fit. The politics, race, sex in one podcast look at god yeah. <laughs> and that's on confucius oh by the way that's a thing now it's really not a thing that but me and my friend crystal we're trying to make this a thing so okay thing. yeah that's on confucius or pluto uh, or on plato or uh <laughs> or what's the other dude's name aristotle no aristotle, no we don't do pluto. aristotle and that's on socrates there we go that's <gasps> <laughs> what? <laughs> so we got Confucius, Socrates, and um Galileo. Bitch, who says Galileo? Oh, okay. look, Galileo got enough respect with him being a whole fucking database. Fuck him. <laughs> that database is the worst. Like it really is. I remember everyone 
someone's like, we use that for your journal articles. And I'd be like, I'm just going to Google Scholar because I don't understand how to use this. Look, it's so complicated. Like, <laughs> look, some of my students, some of the students that come into the center, um, they just be like, oh, yeah, my, my instructor said I have to use Galileo to find my articles. I'm like, why? Let me show this better one. And I always show them academic search complete because it's so much easier mm -hmm. and user friendly. And they were like, well, they say Galileo. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, I cannot help you because that's too complicated. Like, I don't know what's going on. I never I learned it. I don't know. Like, I, and you know, like friendly advice, like if you're looking for an article, a lot of places are willing, like if you can do, if you can see like the, the introduction part, if you reach out to the researcher, a lot of the times they'll let you get that article for free they'll give it to you because mm -hmm, they don't get paid for it anyways yeah so like just from the advice if you see something like there's been times where I've seen things and I'm like oh this is really cool just on my own and if you like reach out to them most of the time they'll let you get it they'll give it to you mm -hmm. so. resources um <laughs> <laughs> oh another tangent <laughs> <laughs> okay but get back into the show i'm sorry y'all y'all could um, judge me Make i sure have adhd say. blame me oh same <laughs> <laughs> two adhd people on the same podcast it's not okay it's not okay it's destruction see this is why mental health is important people so you can recognize what i'm not going on another tangent no I, no I okay, dating. <laughs> <laughs> race issues and dating the next thing Oh, this was actually a study. See, look, it's it's it's, it's fitting because okay we're talking Cupid about study. databases. Mm -hmm. It's a study, the OK Cupid study. Look at that. Uh, yeah, I, I did. I tell you about that in our thing. Yeah, our conversation. Yes, yeah, yes, we were talking about it. So, what what was the gist of the OK Cupid study? So, um, to preference, this is just specifically people from OK Cupid. So, like, you know, be mindful of that, right? This is not indicative of any other dating sites, just the people who tend to be on OK Cupid, mm -hmm. which the population that tends to be on OK Cupid tend to be white. So, just kind of keeping that in mind. Um, but based off of that study, and I'll send it to, I think I already did send it to Vernon, but um, based off of the study, it basically stated that African-American females are on the lowest, um, right under um, Asian men for dateability, like so someone that they want to date, even within their own race. So um, within their own race, they tend to go after, well, the highest on that list would be uh, white women and Asian women and then white men. And then Black men were on that list. Um, like, it varied. So sexually, they were higher because of, like, you know, sexual fetishism. Mm. But as far as dateability, they were lower. Mm. Interesting. I really do need to, like, look into how they collected their data because I really want to know what, what factors they looked into in terms of, like, dateability and then sexual interest. I find, I find like that's, that will be like what constructs they use. Yeah, I, I used to remember, I think it came out like 2017. I used to remember the whole data because I thought it was super interesting and it, it, it made sense based off of my experience when it came to online dating. Because mm -hmm. um, even within, there was a whole bunch of, there's colorism within, you know, my own culture. And then there is a lot of stereotypes on Black women. Mm. And a lot of those stereotypes that come with being Black as a Black woman is we're angry, we're controlling, uh, we're ghetto, whatever way you want to explain what ghetto means. 
Um, <laughs> we have no tact. Um, there's just like a whole bunch of negative things that kind of come with it. And I've even had that from another Black person tell me mm. like, oh, you know, Shrita, you're really, really cool. And I was like, thanks. And he was like, you know, I don't typically date Black women, but, you know, you're different. And I'm like, I'm you're black what do you mean I'm different and he was like you know you're so well-spoken and you're not ghetto and you're this that you don't have multiple baby mama baby daddies like and I was like so but being black as another black person was crazy to me because it was like we're not a monolith and you know that we're not a monolith because you're black mm. and like you don't have five different baby mamas like what are we talking about right now so. Yeah, and that, it, it really amazes me when some, things like that do pop up, most definitely within the Black community, because I'm like, who are you exposed to on a regular fucking basis? Like, do you not know Black people? Do you not communicate with Black people? Like, I actually, uh, I don't regret my actions that day. I made somebody run away. Um, <clears throat> it was it was a uh, debate that went uh, completely left, but it was someone he was talking about, like, because um, I... Uh, for the podcast listeners, um, y'all don't know this, but I used to live in Nashville. But when I was living there, there was this dude, because I was there um, to see a friend, and his friend randomly showed up, and it was his, I forget this man's name, I'm just going to call him Nick. Um, this Nick Duke uh, shows up, and we you know we're having conversations, and he's like, oh yeah, um, there's so much promise here in Nashville. And I was like, well, technically speaking, is not that much promise here for Black people, because when you look around the demographics of uh, Nashville, who's in the highest seats, it's always someone that's white, or the majority of the time it's somebody that's white. And I was explaining that to him, it's like, well, I'm like this uh, seat in my um, uh, organization this that and the third but I'm like you're not at the top of that leadership chain either and then he started talking about but he gets he gets tired of hiring all these black women uh, who come into the office they got these long nails ghetto loud and all this other stuff I'm like fam what do you mean like one if you hire them, clearly they ha- they are able to do the job. Two, what their nails look like has nothing to do with what their job entails. Them being loud, let them be loud. If it's not disturbing anybody, because clearly you hired them, so what's the issue here? And he just kept trying to give these negative images of Black people. I'm like, but why are you not appreciating that? Because I could point out as many white people who get just as loud. Meanwhile, we were in a restaurant where most of the people are white and they were loud as hell. But we're not, ta- we're not talking about that kind of behavior, but we're trying to what? Demonize the Black woman just for expressing themselves? Like, colored hair doesn't make you ghetto. Long nails don't make you ghetto. Talking like this and shit don't make you ghetto. Whatever, let people be them. Let them embrace the culture that we're exposed to you don't have to make anybody feel less than because you personally feel threatened by their uh, their presence there right and then when we like also black women standing up for themselves in the work community does not mean that we're angry like, mm. we are standing up for ourselves because we deserve to be treated equally because all these men these white men who are in these work communities they are standing up for themselves and they're saying what they want to say and doing what they want to do we should get the same type of respect i agree because um and that also goes over for just for somebody who might be asking it goes over for um black men too um because um i'm actually about to share experience that i had 
like uh, one of my former supervisors literally called uh, uh, an assistant director uh, of like admissions. She's white. My supervisor at the time, she was white too. As that assistant director was leaving the office was like, I hate that bitch. That's what my supervisor said to everybody that's in this room and everybody heard this. Uh, and it's like, I'm over here shocked. Like, did she really just say that? Me and the black chick uh, that was also in the room are in our Google uh, Hangouts chatting about this. Did this bitch really just say that out loud? What the hell? But, you know, we having this conversation, but nobody checked her. Um, and there was this moment where I had one pushback on trying to make sure a student had financial aid <laughs> where everybody thought I was being the aggressor. And I'm just like, all I said is that we should look into other options to make sure that students can afford their schools. Like, how, what's so radical and what's so offensive about that statement? So it's like, when, within these spaces, uh, any pushback is an argument. Any, mm -hmm. any kind of fighting for yourself or even others is too much for other people to take. You should be there to do your job and your job alone. Meanwhile, people, mostly white, have that full freedom to express themselves however they want to do. Come in work semi-drunk, come into work angry as hell, slamming shit, come up, uh, coming to work all down and like depressed and just crying and you just have to be there to console. And we don't have that freedom to do that. A hundred percent. Like I, I remember this one coworker, she heard like, Whenever she did presentations, she would cuss and things of that nature. Uh, she was white. And she'd be like, well, you know, that's just how I talk. Like, I just talk that way. You know, you're not going to, I can't help it. That's just how I talk. And I'm like, oh, a Black person doing a presentation could never. Like, we would be called unprofessional. We would be called, we would be having to sit down with our supervisor, like, regardless of what we said we cussed maybe twice and it'll be an issue she cussed throughout the whole time and it wasn't like she was cussing at someone but that's just like you know slip of tongue whatever it was and I was like I would never we don't get that same allowance to be ourselves in in any capacity of that nature. exactly look we just we had to literally pass a law to wear your hair naturally a federal law at that <laughs> and that's 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 the the problem because um the black expression is just not professional in workspaces. Apparently. Oh yeah, and that's like that's if you get through the interview, if you have locks, you can't. And they just say, "Oh, she's just not a good fit." Like, how would you? There's no way to determine whether or not like they fired you because of your hair, or they didn't hire you because of it. You know, that's even if you mm -hmm. get through the interview. And being that like Georgia is an at will state, they could fire you for whatever and say that it's like, "Oh, well, it's at will. We can do whatever we want." So uh, Georgia is uh, fire your ass just to step on somebody's shoes. Right, <laughs> and they don't even have to tell you why. It's so. It's, it's like, really, I mean, even if it is past that we wear natural hair, if we're at an at-will state that they could fire me for whatever. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's just like those same beliefs. Uh, it's like something that is still within people, even when it comes to like the dating space. Like um, whenever, like I remember you, okay, this is uh, a little bit political too, but you know, when uh, people have a certain name, like a ghetto sounding name, Desiree, uh, Keisha, Daquan, Tyrone, these kind of names, um, it's automatically assumed that these people are black or whatever. Um, and there's that 
the thing that I remember so much growing up is people saying, oh, they won't get a job with that kind of name. And I'm like, we can recognize that a certain name can prevent somebody from getting a job, but cannot recognize the fact that implicit bias exists. Like, (laughs) we cannot recognize that racism exists. A name can keep you from not getting a job. As many studies have been conducted about that in itself, we knew this as a culture that a name can keep. Uh, keep oh yeah, definitely. There's been times where I'm like, even with my name, Sharita, it's not. I mean, even if you didn't think it was a black name, a lot of people think it's a Hispanic name. Like no one thinks that. There's no white people that I know that are named Sharita. You mm-hmm. know, so it's like even that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the name that you give somebody, or uh, well, that you're born with, impacts the way that somebody sees you in the dating environment too. Uh, which is crazy. Like you see this person and you find out that they're uh, they're that uh, you know Sharita, that um, Daquan, that Trovon. That's my middle name. They're just like, okay, this person might be ghetto. This person might not be educated enough to be in the spaces that I want to be around with my friends. How do I introduce them? Can I can I call you Day Day for short? Can I call you Rita? Because that's a little bit more sophisticated sounding. Can I just use your first name, Vernon? <laughs> like these kind of things impact the way that we engage with, uh, well, how other people engage with us and how we engage with them because of what our name is too ethnic. Our, our name uh, tells a story of who we are before a person actually gets to know us fully. It's like, it's, it's ridiculous. Like my uh, my existence of who I am is not defined by what I look like on the outside, what my name happens to be, what my cultural back- background has to be uh, is related to. Get to know the person before you judge the person. Mm-hmm. Um, a last thing that I want to talk about because we we're talking about race issues in dating: Does size really matter? Not to me. Um, also, I think that. I mean, people make it seem like vaginas are vaginal canals are super big, like really average, like six inches is, I mean, I guess technically four inches is average, but um, it's perfectly fine if you know what you're doing. Mm. Like no one, I mean, most people don't even care about like 10 inches, 13 inches. That hurts. For a lot of women, that does not feel good. Mm. Um, so I think, uh, I think it's true that saying of like, it's not about the size of the boat, but the motion of the ocean. So being able to do all of these things, especially for some people who don't like penetration, I could care, le- like, I like penetration, but it's not like the end of the world for me personally. I'm not a size queen. I don't really care about sizes. Um, if you, you can do all of the foreplay, you can do all of the other stuff that kind of all of that intimacy that leads up to sex. Like by the time we have sex, it's fine. Like, cause I care about you and it feels good if you're at least average size. Now, if you're like, like micro penis, or I don't know the correct word, there's a correct word for that. Um, but if you're like really, really small, then I guess, you know, I would still, I, don't, I would still date someone like that. We just have to figure out what sex looks like in that capacity. Mm. Cause I've dated, I mean, I've dated trans men, right? So I've had to, we've had to figure out well, what the sex look like in that, in that way. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I support your sentiment uh, because I also agree that size does not necessarily matter. And I do um, 
because uh, you know, for those people who are extremely well endowed, that I uh, do know that that can be a hindrance for them in terms of who they can connect with and who's uh, who's willing to have sex with them because it can be alarming to see a huge dick and you weren't expecting to see something huge. Uh, I do get how that can impact um, their sexual experiences, their lived experiences, as well as their partners. Um, but I also think that if, like you were saying, it's, it's about the motion, it's the motion of the ocean. It's like, if you can, if you are looking for somebody, if pleasure is at the forefront of your sexual experiences, then focus on the pleasure, not necessarily the size. What are you, uh, what can the two of you um, gain from that uh, sexual experience to please each other? Uh, if it's not like rotting the dick all the time, if it's not just the main focus of penetration, you can still uh, arouse and please each other, even if they do, are very well endowed. And for those, yeah, I don't know the uh, technical term. I probably should, um, but you know, micro- I, I used to know the technical <laughs> term. Uh, but I definitely forgot it. Same. If you, if for those who might have a micro peen, there's like, there's, there's still things that you can do. There's like um, people who actually enjoy that. Uh, if that means having to find that one person who enjoys a micro penis, they enjoy that. And I love that. Also, for there's you. toys. There's toys. Yeah. There's, I there's... love toys. I use toys no matter what size you are. Toys are fun. They are extremely fun. It's like there's... taking a kid to a candy shop. Like, There's even toys like for people who do have smaller penises where they can actually um, put like there's a suction side on their mm -hmm. end um, where it connects to their penis and they uh, are now larger and they still receive pleasure while they're penetrating their partner. Uh, it's not body to body contact, but it's still a pleasurable experience for both parties. So there's there's a lot of things out here to ensure that you both people are even more than that uh are enjoying the sexual experience and it's just being aware that it, it, it that it exists <sighs> but i will say that is pretty much everything that we need to talk about in this episode because we went on so many tangents so yeah <laughs> We're about to get into some other tangents because we we got some sex questions. So whatever happens here, people, shut the hell up. This is not a part of the episode, but it's a part of the episode. We're not going to be all down like, why these motherfuckers always switching shit up? Look, you got people with ADHD out here in this world. Appreciate it. Tangents are amazing. You learn things through tangents. <laughs> <laughs> so you ready for the sex question? Yeah. So have you ever joined the Mile High Club? If so, what is, uh, was it a stranger or someone you knew? No, I've never joined it. Would you be willing to join it? Yeah, not with a stranger. I, so I haven't, um, I, I'm not a member of the Mile High Club and I am willing to become a member of the Mile High Club, also not with a stranger, but I, if I'm going to do it, I need it to be more of a private jet situation or everybody on the plane knows what's going on like this is a a plane for everybody going to a sex convention where people are going to be fucking and it's it's all good then everybody on the plane is at like doing whatever the, the fuck needs to be done like for mm -hmm. me i don't want to do it with uh other people around because i'm always cognizant of the fact that there's a possibility of children being around and that's not something that I, i'm not i don't ever want to be the person that ruins the innocence of a child um so that that alone keeps me not wanting to do that mm -hmm. um 
are there any special circumstances that you feel as though that needs to be met for you to become a member of the Mile How Club? Yeah, I think, yeah, being aware of if there's children around, because I think that does go back to that conversation we had before about um, how, you know, um, public sex, you can end up being a sex offender. Mm-hmm. So um, I wouldn't even want to even deal with that or have that issue. Of course, I also don't want to um, affect the young child, of course, on that too. Um, and then just like, I don't know. Yeah, probably would have to be a private jet as well just for for me to actually like enjoy it right like mm-hmm. I don't want to just be like because like if, the way that I've heard my high clubs go you go into that cramped up bathroom and it's like just like smushed in there right and I'm like I need some space like I need to feel like <laughs> it, it needs to feel good this doesn't feel good it's, it's a thrill and that's cool but like I'm not gonna co- I'm not gonna come off of that so <laughs> like I like we got meat on our bones now like I'm not trying to be cramped I'm 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 looking for spaces where legs can be lift arms can be spread out legs can be spread out bending over is possible sitting on is possible all these things can be possible being on knees comfortably is a is a possibility having somebody on a counter is a possibility I need these kinds of this kind of yeah. space because if and I need aftercare so also like those those planes that have beds maybe like you know how they have those mm. beds and like for the like long flights if you're like first class or whatever mm-hmm. you can kind of do some stuff in there you get the aftercare you can kind of like cuddle in the bed afterwards like I need that Ooh, child now I need to uh figure out exactly which uh, type of plane that is and then I don't just know do a... I've seen the pictures before though I don't know what kind of plane that is well just buy out the um buy out the first class and just like everybody that's going to be on here is fucking that's the only reason why we have this first class any flight attendants who uh who happen to be serving this uh area just not before you come in so we can get decent because we don't want to expose ourselves to you all (laughs) and that there we go there we go that's the event that's that's going to be the mile high flight y'all that's going to be the mile high flight so it's a delta flight Uh, i just looked it up it's called domestic delta one and they have flat bed seats I don't know how much it is. Probably expensive as hell. And then they have one in Singapore, Singapore Airlines, that also have like they have full like queen size beds. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) We go because it says round trip tickets costing eighteen thousand. I know it's a lot, but for the experience, if I had the money, I'd do it. You said eighteen thousand. Yeah. Eighteen thousand. Eighteen. Mm. Mm. I had it. Look <laughs> again. Donate to the Slater's uh, Slater's Playhouse. <laughs> so we can... If I had it, I mean, I ain't got the money now. I, I'm not. I'm not rich yet. But listen, I will be. And when I do get rich, that will be something I do. Definitely. Amen to that. Would you like one last question before we end? Yeah. Everything? All right. So, have you ever been attracted to or fooled around with someone of the same gender? Well, we know that answer. Okay next <laughs> <laughs> exactly we're that's that's the that's a mulligan uh that's everybody yes have you ever dated or had sex with someone who uh you weren't attracted to yes oh yeah we did we glossed over that the last episode what happened there um so i mean i think the reason i can speak so freely about the self-esteem stuff 
in the past is because that's kind of what I've done. Like I've settled for people who I wasn't attracted to and still had sex with them um, and dated them. And, you know, it, you know, things happen whenever and we break up. And so, yeah, I've been in those situations. I've learned that that's not fair for me. That's not fair for them. Mm. And I, I would, wouldn't do that again. Although, you know, sometimes the sex is pretty good, though. So, so. See, that's, that's my thing. Because I've <laughs> had sex with people I have not found attractive. Solely because of... There was a physical attraction in terms of, like, body. Um, just not the face wasn't there for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I... I cannot say that I truly regret it because the sex was good. (laughs) So the the sex outweighs my negative feelings in terms of the experience, but I can, I will say that I, um, that it was not right for me to do that. Um, But I didn't lead that person on to uh, think that this was going to be a relationship or ongoing thing. Uh, It was the, um, to myself, it was uh, like, I've expressed it that it was like this is for sex um and that's about it um because I'm I'm very open and lenient when it comes to sex as long as there's like some kind of physical or sexual attraction there I'm open to it but if the sexual if definitely if the sexual attraction is not there I'm not I'm I'm just not um but if if there's some sexual attraction uh, we could hook up I don't care what the face look like it's it it will be okay but if the sex is bad then I'm just like this was a waste of my time yeah that's the thing it's like that you know that post-nut clarity kicks Mm -hmm. in real hard when they're not attractive like it's like oh I'm gonna need you to leave like Mm. Child, you making me feel self. I feel horrible now. <laughs> but it's true. Like it's true. like you like if you attracted to them, it's like okay, that's cool. Like we should do this again. Like wake up in the morning, we could do this for breakfast. But then they ugly, and then the post nut clarity kicks in. You're like, ooh, I can't. I'm gonna need you to go home. Like what you doing? Like later, you leaving? Like now? Like, uh, well, you know, I do have, it's like 3 a.m. in the morning. You know, I do have work in like five <laughs> minutes. One time I was like, I only had this, I only did this once. It was on a Saturday and then Sunday morning came. I'm not religious. He didn't know that though. So I was like, look, I got to go to church. So <laughs> um, I need, <laughs> the I, got a, I set an alarm for six o'clock in the morning. I was like, I go to eight o'clock church. I need you. Oh, not the morning service, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) You know the morning service is only for grandma. I think it's time to go and you get out of here (laughs) because. Oh, child, if, if you know about morning service and you had to be up at morning service, you are the pissed off people in society today because you know grandma has. I had up. to do that. Yeah, growing up, it was eight o'clock. Oh, right? And you stayed like, there the until the last service. The only thing that saying was like breakfast afterwards. That was the only thing. <laughs> child, mm-mm. our morning service, you staying for that second service too. What you mean? Mm. Oh, you was in Sunday school. Mm-mm. Now we going. Now we have in church. What you mean we have? The, what the, didn't that? Didn't that just happen? That wasn't church. What were we at? 
you what we up at 7 a.m. We got here and now it's 10. <laughs> what you mean? Over there and falling asleep while y'all doing the prayers. <laughs> exactly. And that, oh, oh, I used to love when it came to the announcements because you knew that's when church was, mm, child. Really I was on the usher, school. though. I was one of the ushers. So I Ooh. had to do that announcement. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, mm. it was like, uh. <laughs> Child, that needs to be a that needs to be a podcast. The trauma of the black church. Let's talk about it. <laughs> specifically. What time did you get home every Sunday? You know, I used to always think that we was gonna be home by eleven o'clock. Oh, and too? don't even talk about revival week. Oh, oh my god. I got child. What you mean we go to this church at seven on Thursday? <laughs> We had church. Isn't Bible study on Wednesday? We going to Bible study too? What you mean? There's a guest pastor. Pastor sick. We don't need to hear him. What? What you mean, Grandma? We, no. Uh-uh. No. I gotta go. What you mean? Who gonna watch? The Lord's gonna watch me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, y'all. I went back. <laughs> I had a regression. Drama. <laughs> Oh my God! Yes, um, church confessions. <laughs> Save the Lord! Save the Lord! <laughs> okay, okay, Sharita, because we we can keep this going on. I think it's time to fully end this episode. Okay. Is there <laughs> anything that you would like to share with the audience? Um. Yeah. So, um, just kind of piggybacking off of that, we said a lot of stuff <laughs> today. A lot. Um, but, but just remember, no matter what color you are, what size you are, what shape you are, you are beautiful, you're deserving of love. Don't let what society or these like podcasts or anything like that say about you. You are amazing. Amen to that. And the only thing that y'all need to worry about in terms of what a podcast says is my in, my my last message. Remember that. <laughs> remember the closing message. <laughs> Other than that. Mm. Don't, don't let other people script your life. Script your own life. Tell your own motherfucking stories. That, and that's that on that. Amen. We're going to church, y'all. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> this, this episode is shorter than a church sermon. Look at God. Uh, Sharita, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. You are loved. I appreciate you so much. Uh, to my listeners, thank y'all so much for listening to the whole Liloquy podcast where we step out and speak on sexuality. And just in case no one else told you this today, you are beautiful. You are worthy of happiness and joy. You are enough and then some. You may not live up to the expectations of others, but that is okay. You are only required to walk in your own shoes. May each day you live lead you towards abundance. With that said, love you all and see you next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Holiloquy Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. You can subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcasting app and find us on the web at www.holiloquy.com. That's www.h-e-a-u-x-l-i-l-o-q-u-y.com. Share the podcast with your friends and join the conversation. <laughs>